Welcome to Sound the Whistle with IHSA State Finding Wrestling Official Tony Clark. This podcast will be used to talk with various officials and other wrestling influencers on multiple topics of interest to the wrestling official profession. Be sure and check back each week for new episodes. This is Tony Clark. Welcome back to our podcast. Uh, today, we will be talking to IHSA State Final Official Bill Honeycutt. How you doing today, Bill? Good. Good, good. Just going to throw some questions out at you, Bill. Just, uh, you know, answer off the cuff, Um, you know, as the questions come out. Just throw out there what, what, you know, what your feelings are. Uh, How long have you been officiating, Bill? Uh, I just finished uh, my 48th season. 48 seasons. Uh, I take it you're still having fun? Yes. Still love the sport, and it's a way to stay connected. Okay. How many state tournaments have you done so far? Uh, I think 25 or 26 state tournaments. Okay. Um, What positions do you hold with the IHSA currently? Well, currently right now, I am an interpreter and a commission for the IHSA in our sport of wrestling. What other uh, committee positions have you held? Well, I've served on the officials advisory committee for the IHSA and I did several uh, state tournaments for the IESA and I also served uh, a three-year term on their advisory committee. Okay. Um, You're really heavily involved in the You Make the Call video process that's used in the training, correct? Yes. Just tell us a little bit about that process. Well, that process has evolved probably in the last five years to quite a popular project, and it's probably one of the most sought-after sections in our clinics. And we've, fortunately, through yourself and Mike Kirkus and several other individuals that helped do the filming have taking it upon ourselves to do a lot of clips and filming on the state floor and the team state. And we sit down and we watch hours and hours and hours of videos to try to get clips to show our clinicians and make them better officials. Uh, The purpose of it obviously is to show tight situations, you know, things that are missed uh, to make us better. It's not to call anyone out, but we're only human, you know, with the sport and the speed of our sport, there's going to be obvious mistakes, but it's a teaching tool that makes us think about what was just called, learn from it, be in better positions going forward, and hopefully we all learn from it. And I can tell you, even with all my years of experience, I would think I'm a better official because of all the hours I spend watching video and making these clips for our clinics. All right, good. All right, I'm going to throw some uh, questions out there to you just to get your thought process, your opinion. Um, how do you feel about the supporting point rule change? I think it's great. Uh, We've gone through a transition. At one time, it was, you know, 
knees, hands, and knees had more supporting points than hands. And then we had a couple of issues where they pulled wrestling back in bounds. And it was frustrating, I think, for the sport, for coaches, for wrestlers, because it seemed we were stopping the match probably 30% more because literally it was, if you got a hand and a foot out, you were out of bounds. So fortunately the national federation has eased up the out of bounds rule and now let us get into a position that all we have to do is have two supporting points in of either one wrestler or one supporting point of each wrestler. And because of this, we have probably 75% more wrestling on the edge. And I would like to say we probably have 30 or 40% less stoppage on the edge and much more scoring. Good. How do you feel about the pinning out of bounds? Well, I've always been the thought that if we're not blowing the whistle to stop the action, all action should be able to take place. So if wrestling is live, and you can score a takedown, you can score a reversal, and action is still live, why can't we pin? So through the last few years, maybe the Federation came to the same thought process and now allows us to pin out of bounds, which from a coach's point of view, they're, they're very much on board. I don't think they're concerned about now is if you miss a little something on the edge going out of bounds versus the frustration years ago with why are we stopping it so much? Well, with 48 years in, uh, you've seen a lot of different hairstyles in your day. And how do you feel about the current hair rule? Do you think it's uh, helped the officials, helped the contestants? What are your thoughts? Well, it's, you know, it's a new world, new hairstyles. You know, years ago when we all started, um, especially when I started, you know, you better have your hair cut. You pretty much better not have any long hair at all or you didn't, you didn't wrestle, you didn't play football or whatever. Well, times have changed, hairstyles have changed. And in my opinion, and I think it's come to the whole wrestling world that, the length of the hair doesn't make you a better wrestler, doesn't hurt wrestling. And if it causes anybody a disadvantage, it's the disadvantage to the individual that wears their hair that long. So I'm all for it. Uh, You know, I think we're getting to a point maybe where we won't even see a hair rule and it's one less thing for us to worry about. In 48 years, you've seen a lot of different uniform styles. How do you feel about the current uniform Uh, rules that we have in place today today well if it's for the good of the sport i guess it's now into the new centuries or whatever and if it brings more wrestlers to the mat then i'm all for it uh through my years i've seen it all i mean uh we're almost kind of coming full circle because i can remember starting out with what we call the onesie and then long tights with stirrups, and then we wore a pair of shorts over the tights. So when you put those three pieces together, it's kind of comparable to a modern version of what we have today in the three-piece uniform. Uh, I personally don't like all the different 
loose pieces. I like the idea of one singlet, but it's what every individual feels comfortable in. And the only disadvantage, in my opinion, is if you don't have tight-fitting equipment like a compression shirt and shorts and everything, that when you're put on your back and you've got a little looseness there, once that shirt is touching the mat, we're making the assumption your shoulder's in that shirt and your shoulders are touching the mat. So sometimes you may get pinned by wearing what I call not tight-fitting equipment, even though the rule says it's supposed to be tight-fitting, and we all know there's variations of that. Okay. How do you feel about the rule change to stalling? It's good. I mean, obviously, uh, we've tried to make uh, the rule change in a way to make it easier for the official. We all know that uh, stalling is probably the hardest thing for any official to call. Coaches complain about stalling on every level, and we're looking for consistency. So we've tried, and the National Federation has tried to make the rules in such a way to make it more clear and maybe easier for the official to make the call. We have now separated uh, fleeing and stalling. So hopefully that makes it easier for the official to call stalling because before now, when you would back out of the circle, the official was set up in such a way he had to call nothing or he had to give a point. He had to award a point, which sometimes could change the complexion of the match, could decide who's going to win the match. And now you have the ability that you don't always have to make a scoring call, but you can make a stalling call, which could be a warning, and then goes into the point system. Uh, The biggest thing I would probably say, in my own experience, it's very good. But once the rule came in about backing out of bounds, we have kind of gone asleep a little bit on forgetting about wrestling within the 28-foot circle. Wrestlers are now doing a better job of staying in the circle, but they're backing up all over the circle. And we kind of got in the mindset, well, if they don't go out of bounds, we don't call stalling. And I think it's going to take us another year, but we're getting better at it to realize, hey, this individual's been backing the last 30 seconds within the circle, and he should be warned for stalling. So we got to keep that in mind. How do you feel about the pushing out or pulling out? Do you think that's harder to call? Do you think it's harder to call at the younger level versus the veteran level? Uh, So it's harder to call, and I'll say even on the veteran level. We talked a little bit earlier about all the videos I watch with Mike Herkish, yourself, and everything on to make you make the call videos. And through watching countless hours of film, what I am seeing now, coaches are teaching their wrestlers to get in there, force the action, and try to push their opponent out of bound, thinking they're always the fact that you can push your opponent out of bound, the official has a tendency to look at the guy backing out. Now what we have to do is recognize that wrestlers are putting in the Russian, this tie, they're locking that wrist down, they're putting 
their shoulder into their shoulder with really no intent to push and pull the Russian by, to slide by, but to use it more just as a lever and to put their head in their chest and push out of bounds. So me personally, I think we even have to get a little better at recognizing push-outs more than back-outs because probably right now when we see everything, if I tell you I looked at a 1,000 stalling clips on the edge, out of a 1,000, I'll bet you there's not 10 that were called push-outs. And realistically, there probably should have been maybe 200 out of the 1,000 call as push-outs. So this is something we have to learn, we have to look for, and it's a learning process. But hopefully uh, we're getting the word across like any new rule. Sometimes it takes two or three years to, to get the message across and to get everyone comfortable with it. Okay, you mentioned fleeing the mat. How has that rule changed help with the stall call? Well, as we talked about before, we used to have any time your opponent left the wrestling area, it was a technical violation, whether you pushed him out, whether they were running out or whatever. But now the pressure was on that official to make that call, which automatically was a point. In a one-to-one -one match, a two-to-two -two match, you make that call, and now it's three-to-two. You have declared the winner sometimes in your own mind. It may be the right call, but it's a lot more pressure, especially on the inexperienced official. So now what we kind of added to it, and I was a proponent of it, is that unless it's an eminent scoring situation, look at it like we're leaving the mat area just to get a restart. And if we're leaving the mat area just to get a restart, it's stalling. You know, we're just trying to stop the action to get a fresh start or whatever, so we can call stalling. Now, if we feel that he was going to get an escape and you ran him out and you felt he was going to get the escape, now we can call the flea, we can call a push out or whatever, but we have to now look at it. Was it a true eminent scoring situation? If I have my hands locked around your waist, and I got a bear hug on you, and there's no way in the world you're going to get away from me, but I put my shoulder in and run you out of bounds, it's an easy stall call for me. It's not a fleet call or a push-out call. So hopefully this is helping officials call more stalling because they don't feel that they have to make a flea or a push-out call. Good. How do you feel about the uh, head, neck, cervical, nervous system rule change? Well, we've always talked about this. And obviously, through the IHSA and everything and conversations with uh, Craig Anderson, Sam Knox and everything, we talked about other sports and time to evaluate situations that involved the head, neck, and cervical area. And wrestling was the only sport that a decision had to be made in 90 seconds, a minute and a half. And studies and everything have shown that you can't really do a proper evaluation in 90 seconds. So 
the fact that we have HNC, I'm for it because it gives the healthcare professional time to make a proper evaluation. Uh, we have five minutes. I think that's plenty. If you need more than that, to me, that's too much. And at that point, you know, the healthcare professional can make a diagnosis that this person shouldn't go on wrestling or should be, should be removed from the contest. So I think it's a plus. And obviously Wisconsin had been doing it for numbers of years and we kind of took some of their uh, info and everything. And the national federation made it a statewide uh, rule. Okay, good. Um, what advice would you give? Uh, let's start with the up and coming official. What advice would you give that official today? Well, the biggest thing about new officials and we can kind of go back just a little bit. We, we all know that our sport is hurting. We're losing officials, and we're not getting any young blood, as we say, into it. Uh, we've got a lot of old-timers like myself. We've got a concentration of a lot of officials that are in that 50- to 60-year-old range, but we don't have a lot of new officials in that 20- to 30-year range. And this is the future and this is what we need. Uh, the biggest thing about young officials, and I don't know if it's society in general, it's about putting in the time. Uh, because of this, we have done under the leadership of yourself and other individuals that have wanted to put in a lot of time like Dan Fulcher and Don McKeel and everything, we started these new officials clinics and I've worked with them and I've been conducting them for probably six, seven, eight years. And this year, I think was the first year I felt some great reward from it because it was the first year that young officials took this and would come to open invitations to work on the mat with a senior official and get experience and this year i probably had more first second year officials work with me in dual meets throughout the year than all the other years put together so i'm hoping that's a good sign because it shows they want to put in the time and want to learn and as a young official that mat time if you talk to any new official that spent an evening with me on the mat They'll usually walk away and tell you that hour and a half or hour on the mat with me was m worth more than 10 clinics put together. So all I can say to young officials is don't be intimidated. You know, you're there because you love the sport and be willing to put the time in and always be willing to ask. The majority of senior officials are willing to mentor you. And all you have to do is ask, and I will do anything in my power, and most veteran officials will too, to get you on the mat in some shape or form. Now, what advice do you give to that regional official looking to move to sectional, that a sectional official looking to move to state? Well, this is always, you know, the big thing. When we hear it from a lot of officials, it's like, I can't seem to get 
any higher up on the chain. I can't seem to get to the next level. Well, sometimes there's two thoughts. Let your work do the talking for you. And you get out what you put in. If you're willing to only work eight, nine, ten dual meets a year and work them in your own backyard, you can't expect to move up the ladder because you're lacking exposure, you're lacking experience, and you have to branch out. Uh, personally, even when I first started, you know, sometimes due to our work or whatever, we get pigeonholed into a small area, but, you know, someone said, hey, go out to Princeton if you get the opportunity. If they ask you, go out there and do, it's a 32-team tournament with class 1A and 2A schools. You're going to see schools you've never seen before. They're going to say, who are you? All of a sudden, they're going to put a name and a face together, and your exposure is going to be much greater. And to move up, you have to branch out. You have to be willing to travel, and you got to be willing to put the time in. And also, watch video. The biggest asset you have today that I didn't have as a young official or anything was video. You can go to YouTube now. We have everything from you make the calls. You can go constantly and just watch video. The other great thing I would say is officials that are on there, they call me, they talk to me. We have a rating system. It's not a perfect system, but yet it's what the IHSA looks at when it comes to making those appointments. So you have to be an advocate for yourself. You have to talk. Some people send out emails after tournaments to coaches. Make sure you make connections or whatever. And the most important thing I'll say, when official gets to a certain level and I say, hey, he's a good official. He knows the rules. He's very, he's good at it and everything. And it's like, what's holding him back? What normally holds you back from that elite tier or that next tier are people skills. It's how you handle conflict. Everyone, the worst thing you can have happen to you as an official is to go to a coach and the coach says, he's not approachable. That's the worst thing you can have. Because sometimes what makes it different is how you handle pressure how you make that call under extreme pressure or it's the semifinals and the sectionals or it's the finals and regionals. Plus, when you make that call, it's being ready and prepared to be questioned by the coach that brings you to the table. How you handle that 30 seconds or that minute at a table is sometimes your whole tape of what's going forward for you in the future so people skills are very important and i would just say to most officials know your rule book see as much video as you can and polish 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 on conflict resolution and people skills well all right that's some uh, good sharing of ideas there um Thank you for being candid with your responses. 
Um, any closing remarks? No, it's just that um, wrestling is a great sport. Uh, I was an average wrestler in high school. Because I wrestled, it made, me, it made me excel in football. When I got out of teaching and coaching, wrestling was a way for me to stay close and officiating was a way for me to stay close to my sport of wrestling. And I will say one thing. When I end my career, yes, will I miss the wrestling. Yes, that I have some great experiences. But nothing will be as cherished as much as the brotherhood of all the officials I've met throughout the state of Illinois and being fortunate enough to ref on the state floor and meet new individuals. So all I would just say is that um, give back to the sport that's given so much to you. And as a young official, there's going to be days you don't have a good night. But wipe it off. Come back the next day. Nobody's perfect. Learn from your mistakes and strive to be the best. All right, Bill. Well, once again, I want to thank you for taking time out of your day to do this. And uh, we'll come up with more topics and we'll, we'll talk again down the road. Thanks for having me, Tony. All right. Thank you. Goodbye. Bye.